this. For those who don't know me, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here at LifePoint. Incredible privilege to serve you. I want to do something real quick. I know uh, July 4th was yesterday, and this is not meant to embarrass anybody, but any uh, service members, um, past, present, future, getting ready, you guys stand up. We want to we wanna celebrate you, and thank you for fighting for our freedom. Look how many guys, men and women. I know, thank you guys. We applaud you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Means a ton uh, to me to be able to stand up here in freedom and do this because you guys fought and um, served well. So thank you for that. We appreciate you guys, the men and women. Thank you so much for that. And uh, that parenting seminar, by the way, so I had somebody ask me this. I know there were some young adults that wanted to jump in there. I told you if you were like, you know, engaged, right, or, you know, getting ready to get married, um, if you're not in a serious relationship, uh, you know, maybe just hold off. We'll have another parenting seminar. We're going to make sure we get this thing right. Uh, so just take it with that. If you want to have a conversation with me and my wife later, you can do that. We'll, we'll make that happen for you guys. Acts chapter 21, let me get going because I want to do something at the end here tonight. Anyone out there could say that your life is just totally smooth sailing right now? There was zero problems at all? Anybody? Yeah, that's what I thought. How many would say, I've got some issues that I'm dealing with, and I need some help, and Jehovah Nisi fights your battles, right? (laughs) You know, that's most of us. We're dealing with issues. It's called life, right? Ups and downs of life. And I know some of you have caused those issues, and some of you not. Some of them, they just came at you, and you're just kind of absorbing what's coming at you right now. And we all know that we have an adversary Right, he's against us. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his plan, but God has a different plan for you, and that's abundant life. So I know that we have a devil against us. We have an adversary, but we also have a friend. We have an advocate. We have a savior. Amen. And all those names that we just mentioned up there, maybe you don't know what some of those mean. We did a study a few years ago on the names of God, and we just did a few of them. There's tons of them that you could go through, but learning this different attributes and ways and characteristics of God, we, he can't just be defined by, like, he, he's good. We say that. We talk about the goodness of God, but he's so much bigger than that, right? And I was just talking with Pastor Victor a few minutes ago before service. I, just, I think there's a song in there. Chris Tomlin wrote a song years ago called Indescribable. Some of you know that. He's like, he's all of these things. S.M. Lockridge, Dr. S.M. Lockridge did a sermon, and he said, he's all of these things. This, this is like 25 minutes long. He's all this. But I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable, right? And it's, it's really that amazing. He's that good to us. So that's great. And so whatever you're going through, I just want you to know, like, it's going to be okay. And you're like, well, what if it's not okay? And we're like, then it's still going to be okay. My dad told me that my whole life. He's this real calm-natured, and it's great. He's like, well, yeah, but it's this, and it's like, just take it easy, right? Take it easy, right? That's good. That's good South Florida stuff right there, right? Take it easy, right? Yeah, take it easy. And it, 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 there's, there's some truth to that. And we look at Paul's life, and certainly, you know, as, as he's coming through these, he's given his life to Christ, and he's on mission, and he, it's, it's certainly not been easy. He's walked this out. He's been beat, and, and he's been beat up, and he had all kinds of riots around him, as we'll see tonight. But what if, what if like Paul, and whatever you're going through, what if it is, it's just a setup for God to show off? If you'll stay, if you'll stay calm, you just go like, okay, it seems like everybody's against me. That's probably not true, by the way. 
like everybody, we kind of stay away from hyperbole, even though Luke uses a lot of hyperbole, like the whole city, all the city, right? That's a Lucan hyperbole, the theologians would call it. But what if, what if Paul's beat down is set up for God to be glorified? And I think it is. And, and so what if you, because Paul doesn't want to, uh, God doesn't want to use Paul's life any more than he wants to use your life to be glorified. And so you have to see yourself like that. And I know the world does things very differently than we do. As Christ followers, as it should be, right? We, we should do things different. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in A Cost of Discipleship says the world exercises dominion by force and Christ and Christians conquer by service, right? It's different. So like, oh, we're going to come in. The world's like, well, just God, conquer, right? And, and, and Jesus said we came to serve, not to be served, right? The, the other people outside of them, he said they, they want to be served, but it's not so with you, one version says, but not so with you. We came to serve, and it's beautiful. So what we know in, the, in chapter 21, Paul's been on this journey to get to Jerusalem. He really wants to get to Jerusalem for probably a number of reasons. He gets there, and we found at the beginning of the chapter that he shows up, James and the other elders are there, probably part of the Jerusalem council, and they give him some advice. This is where we were Sunday and they said, hey, there's a bunch of zealous Jews here. They're zealous for the law. And they, they want you, they're, they're concerned about you because you've been doing some teaching in some of your travels on your first and second and third missionary journey. You've been saying some things that they're very concerned about. So here's what we're going to do. And let's pick up in verse 23 tonight. This is what they say. Do therefore what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take these men Purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself live in observance of the law. But as for the Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. So as I was thinking about this today, and by the way, this has been a really difficult chapter for me to preach, by the way, because I think there's so much here that needs to be unpacked when you start talking about law. And I'll try to get through more of that, but you really need to go on a, a, a journey to understand this stuff for yourself. God will show you. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about it, but I want to just bury you in it and heap it on you. But don't get, you know, too, too wild-eyed right now. Just hang on tight. So what's happened is this, this decision that the Jerusalem council had made back in 15 said, we're not going to saddle all of these people, these new believers, with a bunch of law that they're not going to understand. We're not going to do that. We want to make sure that they can, they can chew on this thing. However, we are going to ask them to abstain from what's been sacrificed to idols, from blood, and from what's been strangled, and from sexual immorality. But if I go back to 23, I started looking at some things. And, and, and I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm just interested in, in, in Jesus coming and fulfilling the law and how it looks a little bit different than, than maybe that we see. So they said, do therefore what we tell you. Okay, I believe in hierarchy. We just gave, you know, an applause to our military. The military figured this out a long time ago. Hierarchy is important, right? Guys who have been through battle tested, we said on Sunday. And so, yes, there is some of that heart that say, hey, this would be good. But I want to take on the, the advice that Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, right? Imitate me as I am in, uh, imitating Christ, this journey. But I would say this, do fair, therefore what we tell you. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Do what God tells you. 
I know, like, it's my prayer every time I get up here. And it's like, I don't, I don't come up here, like, I got it all annoyed. Like, I'm in the back, like, oh, God, it's your word. Do it again. Just do it again, Lord. Help me get the words out, what's inside of me, because sometimes it doesn't come out how, how I'm feeling it. But I really want you to take it. So do what God tells you. Just make sure it lines up with Scripture. Because I have people come to me sometimes, and they say some off-the-wall stuff. And I'm like, that's nonsense. I'll tell you dead to your face, too, if you're wrong. Just so you know. Okay, God, God told me this. I said, God didn't tell you that. That's literally the opposite of what his scripture says. So I know he didn't tell you that. Now it may feel comfortable for you and you may have told yourself that to, to get through something for that. Second thing he says, take these men and purify yourself along with them. Now some of that verbiage there is, is appropriate. We see some other places in scripture, right, that there's a purification process. But I also love the Psalms, and like Psalm 51, to create in me a pure heart, O God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Psalm 51, 1, 2, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. That's you. Like, fix this, this whole mess. Can you clean this up? He said, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness or purify us. We're turning over to God. God, you purify me. I need help. Like, I'm not just going to go take this spiritual shower and be able to do this. The next thing he says is pay their expenses. I can't pay your stuff. Paul isn't like going to pay this, like all of this observance, all of this tradition he can, he can take care of, Right? He's going to be part of this, this tradition and the observance of this law that it says here. But you know who paid it all? Jesus. Jesus paid it all. Paul didn't pay it all. I didn't pay it all. You didn't pay it all. Jesus paid it all. It's not just the him. It's the truth if we do it. So when we talk about the law, you're like, what do I, like what's the law? I told you Sunday I gave a very kind of weak example of it. They're like, they're like speed limit signs for us. But I'll give you a little bit more is, but God created the universe, right? He's the creator and sustainer. He keeps it all together. He's all these things and more that we've mentioned tonight. And so what does he demand from us? He demands perfection and obedience, right? It's his plan. And so we get this, and in the context of this law, we look at this, this thing that he's given to us, these demands that he has from all the way back to the beginning of Adam. Adam, you can do this, 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 and this, but don't do this. All the way back, and then it sets the tone all the way. So when we talk about the law, and specifically the law of God, we look at God's commands for us, and they're, they're there to help us regulate our morality. You, know, you look at the Ten Commandments, it helps you. It just makes sense, right? If you break that down, don't steal, right? Right? Don't kill. Don't covet. Don't take uh, anything other, don't put anything other then God at the top, don't have any other gods before him, all of these things. And so when we see this, and now Christians, as we come into that, we understand something, that we're no longer under these, like, mosaic laws, these old laws, but, but that Jesus has come to fulfill the law, and so we're under grace. Now, should we, should we just not do these things because grace? No, we've said this hundreds of times here. Grace is there if you mess up, not so that you can mess up. Don't act like a maniac, right? Well, Jesus died on the cross. So I can do what I want. That's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. No, we, we do not live like that. Now, 26 says that Paul took the men the next day, and he purified himself along with them, and he went to the temple, giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled and the offering presented for each one of them. 
So this did not conflict with Paul's teaching that the Jews and the Gentiles cannot be brought under there. This is a matter, again, of practice. This is not what we said, we use the word salvific, or having to do with salvation or sanctification. This is an observance of tradition now. Is it bad? Not necessarily. Some of you are, you are heavy observers of the law. I'm going to say, okay, go ahead. Scripture says if you're going, if you're going to do it, if you're going to be circumcised, then keep the whole law. Right? If you're going to do this, if you're going to say, I'm going to go in, and then, then you start getting into that. I'm just not sure it's manageable. I'm just not sure. <laughs> because they, they started adding to this list, and it was getting longer and longer and longer. Who, who can follow all that? I tell you who I can follow, that's Jesus. And, and I, whew, I mean, I need, I need that kind of grace. I need that kind of mercy. I, can't, I, I, I don't want to live under the weight of that. And so Paul understood this very clearly about himself. And he understands what's He understands that there is an enemy against him, coming against him. But he also understood the words of Jesus, that Jesus gave to him himself, right? That, hey, this is going to happen. You're going to do this. This is the way to go. And we're going to see this from here on out even more so as Paul is able to declare with such passion, with such conviction that, that Jesus is still the way. No matter, hey, it feels like the whole world's coming against me. And even in just a few minutes, you're going to see what Luke says is all the city in an uproar coming against Paul. And I doubt any of you feel like the whole city of Homestead is against you. Thank God. It might feel like that at times, like everyone's in against you. This is why we don't use hyperbole, right? It's not just for marriages, right? You never say, I love you. Like, never? Never? Not once have I said I love. No, that's not true. You always leave your shoes by the door. That's not true. I don't always. Very often, right? But not always. Occasionally I take them upstairs. Be careful with hyperbole unless you're talking about the Lord. He's always faithful. You? No. Me? No. God is always faithful. He's always enough for you. And so we look, and Paul understood this about himself, and so. What he was doing was he was considering himself on this path for the Lord. He knew the mission, and he was not going to be detoured. If you know anything about mission, right, seldom does everything go, right? This is why you set up plans. What's plan A? What's plan B, right, and C and D, if necessary. Hopefully you don't have to get that far. But these are like contingencies that like might happen, so we want to make sure that we are plan for this, but there was no plan B for Paul. It's like, this is the way. This is the way I'm going. I won't be deterred. I don't care what happens. There's something inside of me that is burning for the Lord. Some of you have that, and some of you will have that in this next season as God ministers to you very clearly. So he's able to say in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me as I am imitator of Christ. And so that decision, right, that the Jerusalem council had back then, right, Paul Paul is settling, okay, yeah, we're not going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this because I'm going to help some win. I'll become all things to all people so that I might win what? Some. It's an important word. Because you're not all important. You're not a savior, right? He's going to say, but he's directing people to Jesus. Right? God, God uses us, thank the Lord. So, again, this is a matter of Jewish custom that he's settling into because I know there's some real tension with this. So what happens? Well, it starts going chaotic here. As they head into the temple, right, it says, for each one of them, this purification process. Verse 27 says, when the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help. 
This is a man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law in this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. Now, this is some serious, serious tension within Jewish culture. What you would have had is a courtyard, and I apologize, I should have, I should have, I was just thinking this right now, I should have had a map for you, but you had like a, a rectangle, right? But you had concentric rectangles going out like this. They're getting bigger, s shaped the same, just bigger and bigger. And as you would go in, the, the outer courts, okay, some Gentiles would be allowed in there, but not all the way in. It would have been, they would have done what they said. They've defiled this place because they are outside of the covenant. They're outside of it. They don't belong here. They've dirtied the place up. And, and so now you've got these people, and they're getting really geared high. What we know about these people is that they were there for probably the Feast of Pentecost. They were probably from outside. So you're not talking about believing Jews. You're talking about unbelieving Jews. People who are zealous to come against Paul, to come against anything really that was going to disrupt the system. And I told you a few weeks ago, there's a new system in our world. It's not a system that glorifies God. If you come against that system with holiness and righteousness and you stand up and speak truth, they're not going to like it. It's the opposite of what the world wants. Well, the, the world has settled into it. We just came out of the whole pride month. Pride is lit. God despises the proud. What do we have the whole world who said, be prideful. No, pride comes before destruction and the haughty spirit before the fall. Now, this isn't just an agenda of homosexuality. This is an agenda of the devil to steal, kill, and destroy everybody. That is his plan. But God has a plan, right, that you would have life and have it more abundantly. And we think that the, the abundant life is just sitting on a spiritual couch chilling. That's not it. And Paul understood this about his life, that he was able to be like, it doesn't matter what happens to me. I'm living with joy because I am walking in his ways. I'm walking in his will. And if you will settle into this, you'll be so much better off. You'll be so much better off. And so these men, they come out and, and they're just they're, they're giving everybody up. By the way, this is the sixth time that riots had or mob-like mentality has incited and being inflamed around Paul in his ministry, in his proclamation of the gospel, the sixth time. So maybe you're out there and you're like, man, I really caused a ruckus at work today by reading my Bible at lunch. Good for you. You got five more times. You got five more times to catch up to Paul, right? <laughs> so we see this, this, they stirred up a mob, stirred up a mob, mob-like mentality. You know why? You know why I think that the devil uses that so much? It's because it's scary for people. To be honest, mobs are scary, yes or no? You're going to start rumbling and tearing up stuff, and, you know, you don't want to get caught in the middle of that. It's not a crazy thing that you want to be a part of. But the, here's, what we, here's what we know, that this is happening, and even the Greeks into the temple, this would have this been a real rub for these people. And, again, we're seeing this more and more. I, let me just tell you something right away. I'm not unaware or naive enough to think that there's not going to be something that comes our way, that somebody's not going to start yelling out here that we're crazy. And I, I just want you to know this. 
I don't, I don't need any applause or anything. I just want to tell you, just so when that happens, when somebody comes up and is like, ah, oh, you're bigots and this and that, I'm just gonna, we're going to have them removed, okay? This is private property and we can do that. Just so when it does happen, don't be jarred by it, okay? <laughs> we will have them removed and we'll keep praising Jesus the whole way, all right? So this is, uh, this is what we're doing. Uh, 29, for they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian with him in a city, and they supposed that Paul had brought them in the temple. So now you don't, you've got like a, a really a factless argument here. They just supposed. It's like, oh, we saw them in a temple. No, it's saying, it said that they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. So this is kind of a baseless charge here, really shaky at best, right? This is not going to hold up in the court of law. And so they, they, they kind of go after this. In the 30, it says, then all the city. Now, here's the Luke and hyperbole that we talked about. The all the city. Now, probably not everyone in the city, but it certainly was a mob-like mentality. They ran together. They seized Paul. They dragged him out of the temple. And once and at once the gates were shut. Probably not the whole temple gates, the outside. Probably more like the, the inner court as to not let something happen. But the crowd joins in. Listen, be careful not to get caught up in mob-like mentality. Um, it's, it's my belief that most of the people who are caught up in mobs really don't know why they're there. They could not articulate why, are they, why they are there and, and acting with that kind of behavior. They can't do it. What they were doing is like, so what are you doing here? I don't know. We're breaking stuff. I'm like, that's what we're doing. And well, I know, but why? Why? What's your why? Like, I don't know. I don't know. And, and that kind of, be, be careful, you know, because what, what, we're, what we're doing here is we're, we're fighting with value systems in the world. I want to tell you that just a little bit more in just a little bit. But they seized Paul. They dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. And it says, as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all of Jerusalem was in confusion. Now, it wouldn't have taken long for, the, for this kind of mob-like mentality to get to the Roman control. Like they would have had control all over the city. So it wouldn't have taken long. They probably had lookouts and said, hey, there's a little riot over here. There's some insurrection over here. Hey, let's deal with this. So that's exactly what happens. The tribune says, he at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. So there was still some Roman control here, which is good. Thank God. They're beating the fire out of Paul here. And I don't know how long it takes a whole city to beat a man to death. But they're beating him. They're literally, they, it says they wanted to kill him, right? And so now we got these guys. They run down to the scene, the Romans. They stop. And it says, then the, tr the tribune came and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. <laughs> it's so interesting that Paul gets arrested here. He's being beat. He's the guy they're, they're dragging in the streets. They're literally kicking his head in. And uh, the, the, the cops, if you will, show up. And they're like, we're arresting you, buddy. <laughs> like, can I get some help here? But, you know, unfortunately for him, he's the one who had incited this riot by doing what he had done. Yeah, there's some trouble here. What if, what if we, we weren't able to read this today? 
I think this is, this is the type of passage that I really think that we need to get inside of us. And all the stories in Acts and, you know, the, uh, you know, the shipwreck that will come up and you know, all the wonderful stars, Peter and James on the way to the gate called Beautiful in Acts chapter 3 and, you know, Peter preaching in Solomon's colonnade and all of these wonderful stories. I think these are the type of passages that if you, if you really dive in and you get close, these are going to strengthen your spiritual backbone for this next season. Because it's my guess in here that, that a lot of you, like, you want a strong backbone, but you don't have a strong backbone. The good news is you can have one. Like, you can have a strong conviction. You can stand for truth and righteousness, even against a wave, a whole city of people, if you will. You can stand up to the devil and say, no, I will not back down because God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So here's what they're saying. You think they're going to back down? Okay, the Romans are here. Okay, no, there's, there's more. It says in verse 34 that some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another. This is a mob. And as he, as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought in the barracks. It's so chaotic that this guy, the tribune, the, the leader here of this battalion, could not hear. He could not get a good grip on what's happening. He's like, okay, let's get him out here. Let's get him isolated, and let's find out what's really going on here. 35 says, when they came to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mob of the people were crying out, away with him. Do you know what away with him means? Kill him. It means kill him. That's, that's literally what it is. Away with him. Stand with me real quick. We're, we're not done. We're, we'll be for a minute, but I want you to hang on this for a second. Hang, hang with me. John Stott said this. I mentioned it lightly just a minute ago. It said, persecution is simply the clash between two irreconcilable value systems. stand for something that the, the world can't stand right now. Holiness and righteousness. They're going to preach whatever they're going to preach. I'm not, I'm not too worried about that because I'm worried about this. I can't, I can't talk a whole lot about this because I want to talk about Jesus. You know what I mean? And what, what like if, you've, you've heard me say it like this. If you want to sell me something, don't come and talk to me about how bad the other product is. Tell me how good your product is. <laughs> I'm, I'm, if he's just going to dog out the other, I'm like, man, I don't have time to listen to this. But if you come and tell me, like, man, this, like, you can't live without this. You can't, you can't afford not to have Jesus running. You can't afford to continue on the path without the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. You can't afford it. This is the best thing that ever happened to me. So these two systems are like crashing into each other. Well, there's a clear winner. <laughs> there's a clear winner, church. If you don't know, you're, you're on the winning side if you have Jesus. Amen. Anybody feel? I started thinking about this as I was studying this week. Is you know they're carrying Paul, right, up the steps, and they're trying to get him inside. And, just 20-some years earlier, there was another guy who had stood in that area, another man, another God named Jesus. 
who had endured some of the worst slander and gossip and died the most horrific death later on. He's right, right, right in the same, same steps, preaching and teaching and showing. And so I, I started looking at this, and I'm like, okay, the same questions that I asked you earlier. Is anyone out there smooth sailing? No, nobody raised their hand. I don't, I don't think if you would have asked Paul right here, hey, everything going good for you, Paul? Real life. Real life. How many feel like you're going through it, Paul? Well, I'm going through it. I'm going through it. Think about that statement. I'm going through it. Didn't say I'm, I'm caught in it. <laughs> I'm not like trapped in it. I'm stuck in it. No, I'm, I'm going through it. <laughs> I want to come out on the other side. I got some, some, like some stuff. It's okay. And I, I get it, some of you are going there, and, and it, it, it's, it's wild. It's wild. And we, we think about the cost of something. I told you this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you something. Closeness will cost you something. It'll cost you something. Teacher Bonhoeffer in The Cost of the Disciples said, It's costly because it costs a man his life. And it's grace because it gives the man the only true life he'll ever know. You want to go with Jesus in this next season? It's going to cost you something. You want you want to hear like you've never heard before from the Lord? It's going to cost you something. If you want to get your spiritual senses back, because some of you out there just walking numb as can be, just numb. Just life is just pop, 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 and you just numb. You know what? I don't care. I don't care about you. I don't care about. I just care about me. I'm gonna do me. You're numb. You want to get your feeling back? going to cost you something. It cost you some of this. I, like, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't care about this. I don't know about you, but the older, the older you, the older I get, it's like caring less and less. Less and less, right? <laughs> less and less. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, right? I start looking at like glory and grace. Remember when Stephen dies? What is he doing? He's looking into heaven. They're throwing rocks at his head, people. He wasn't like, quit throwing rocks at my head. He was like, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Same words as Jesus. Paul's looking at these guys. He's, and, I, and I love this because what I told you at the beginning is maybe, 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 maybe just what you're going through is the setup for God to show off later, which is what we're going to see. Come back Sunday. We're going to talk about it a little more. We're going to see how Paul's life is set up. He gets the opportunity to, to literally wave his hand and hush the crowd and speak to them in a language they could totally understand and testify to the goodness of God. Just maybe, maybe you going through it. It's not about you going through it, but about Jesus being glorified through it. Amen. Let's pray, and then we're going to worship a little bit. Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you. I thank you for everything that you've done for us, God. Lord, every single person in this room, nobody raised their hand tonight and said that it's been easy. Not one person. God, make it clear. Make it clear, Lord, that we're going through it. We're going through it. You're going to be glorified all the way, God. 
no matter what it is, no matter what the storm looks like, the waves look like, you're in the boat and you can calm those waves and I just pray for a call. I pray for a peace. Jehovah Shalom, be your peace tonight over this church. We thank you for everything you've done. God, we are going to worship you. We're not going to let the enemy get on top of us. We're not going to let his lies get in our ears. He will not infect us with his nonsense. God, we are going to stand on your truth. We are going to worship with everything that's inside of us because we believe. We believe in you, God, and we believe your promises are for us. Touch our hearts tonight. Clear our minds. Transform us. And we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Listen, come on, church. We're going to sing the same song that we started with tonight. Come on, we're going to worship him together in this.